Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. This episode features the first chapter of Murder Faux Paws by T.C. Lotempio. It's read by local actor Ariel Lynn. Murder Faux Paws was published in February of 2022 by Beyond the Page Publishing. If you'd like to help support this podcast, listen for details in the closing of this episode on how to become a patron and get some fun perks. When a local PI's untimely death is ruled a suicide by the police, budding sleuth Nora Charles has no intention of letting sleeping dogs lie, or sleeping cats for that matter. Certain it was a case of foul play, Nora rouses her trusty sidekick Nick and launches an investigation of her own. Then, a second PI is murdered, and Nora knows the two men were onto something, and that she's onto something too. Following the enigmatic clues left by her late predecessors, Nora soon uncovers a plot that involves a local politician, missing campaign funds, and what could be a bogus real estate deal. But when hints of treason surface, what started as small-time thievery soon balloons into a matter of national security. With the uncanny Nick sniffing out and spelling out leads, Nora follows a trail that will take her to the heart of a shadowy conspiracy and into a trap set by a convincing culprit that will have her wishing she had Nick's nine lives. You gotta watch out for those females, am I right? The ones who come to you for help, claiming some guy screwed up their life. They want you to be bogey to their bacall, but believe me, it doesn't work that way. Do you agree, Miss Charles? The man in the front of the classroom fixed his gaze on me and rubbed his hands together, while I slouched down just a bit lower in the uncomfortable metal chair. I was seven weeks into my twelve-week private investigation course, and up until this moment, I'd really enjoyed it. Our regular instructor was out, and the substitute, a P.I. named Claymore Jarvis, was a real character, to say the least. He reminded me of a taller version of Columbo. He didn't have a trench coat, but his suit jacket and shirt were rumpled, as if he'd slept in his clothes, and his pants rode low on his hips, a bit of a belly protruding over the waistband. His eyes were stormy gray, an exact match for the thick mass of hair on his head. He leaned one hip into the desk and crossed his arms over his chest and closed one eye in a broad wink. Come on now. Don't be shy. Tell us what you really think. I was afraid if I did that, I'd be arrested. So instead, I drummed my nails against the dented formica table and smiled sweetly. What I think is, it'd be a little difficult for me to play bogey to anyone's bacall. I might be able to pull off a Vivian Rutledge or a Slim Browning, though. Jarvis's expression didn't change an iota, so there was no way to tell if he was impressed by my knowledge of characters Bacall played in films she'd done with Bogey. His gaze darted around the room as he rocked back and forth on the balls of his heels. You'd be surprised how often a woman will seek out a female P.I. A solidarity and all that, right? The important thing is to be true to yourself. Never, never, ever. Let the client try and tell you how to run your investigation. He shook his head. Been there, 
done that. And let me tell you, it never works out well. He moved over to the desk, rifled through a pile of papers, then straightened and jabbed his finger in the air. So, who takes a PI class anyway? Most people who go into this line of work are either ex-cops or retired military. Or... He chuckled with a sideways glance in my direction. An ex-reporter who just likes to solve mysteries. Or write about them for magazines. Maybe you were injured on the job, or you had a problem with a supervisor. It happens. But no matter what your reason is for being here, you can take this to the bank. Being a PI is no cakewalk. No siree. If you're just here for a lark or because you have nothing better to do, or you just want a place to wear out your old clothes, then get out now. He pointed dramatically toward the door. P.I. work isn't for you. It's hard, challenging, and often unrewarding work. Investigative strengths aren't something you're born with, even though the detectives and P.I.s in movies and on television make it seem easy. Sam Spade, Jim Rockford, even Sherlock Holmes. None of them had investigative ability in their DNA. One of the first things a P.I. learns to do is hone his, or her, he added with a half-smile in my direction. Powers of observation and concentration. It's not like on television. Evidence rarely falls into an investigator's hands. A real investigator works to obtain evidence using his powers of observation. What is observation? A product of concentration. For example, he glanced at the sheet on the desk again, then looked up. Mr. Redmond. A chair scraped back with a loud squeak. Yes, sir. Turn around and face the wall. Once Redmond had complied, Jarvis said, The man seated next to you. Alvin Lang, right? Describe him. Six foot, broad-shouldered, dark, almost ink-colored hair, light complexion. He's got on a white and blue striped sweater, washed denim jeans, and very scruffy boots. Stand up, Mr. Lang, Jarvis instructed. Lang did so, and it was evident Redman had noticed him. He'd gotten everything right, even down to the well-worn boots. Lang resumed his seat, and Jarvis said, Very good. Although that was an easy one. After all, you've been sitting next to him for well over an hour. Let's try another. Jarvis's gaze fell right on me. Describe Miss Charles. What does she look like? What is she wearing? With some loud clearing of the throat. Then he mumbled, Well, she's about average height. Dark brown hair and eyes. She's got on black slacks and a crew neck sweater that's some kind of a pinky color, I think. There was some very loud clearing of the throat. A few snickers arose, but died quickly as Jarvis cast his icy stare around the room. You can turn around now, Mr. Redmond. He wiggled his chubby fingers in my direction. Miss Charles, would you step up here to the front of the room? I could feel my cheeks start to flame, but I did as requested. I paused in front of the first row of desks, and Jarvis walked over to stand next to me. As you can see, Miss Charles has red hair. At my sharp intake of breath, he shot me a mischievous grin.
Sorry. I bet you like to call it Auburn, right? Her eyes are green, and she's certainly much taller than average. His gaze ran the entire length of my body, finally resting on my leggings. Well, they're not exactly traditional slacks. I'll give you the black part. Her sweater, though, is V-necked. And I'd call it violet, not pink. He waved his hand at me. Face the blackboard, he barked. I complied, and he said, Your turn, Miss Charles. Describe Mr. Redmond for me. I closed my eyes to visualize him. Nearly six foot. Good build. Might have played sports at one time. Sandy hair, light blue eyes. Slight stubble on his chin. As if he's either started to grow a beard or forgot to shave. His slacks are khaki-colored. They fit him a bit loosely around the waist, and he's wearing a shirt of the same color. Unbuttoned at the collar. For a few brief minutes, there was complete and total silence. Then a smattering of applause broke out. I could feel heat sear my cheeks as Jarvis bowed to me. You may be seated. Thank you. Now, class, what have we learned from this little exercise? There was dead silence, and then a tall, thin Asian man from the back piped up. That Mr. Redmond needs glasses? There was a smattering of light laughter, which quickly stopped as Jarvis spoke again. Possibly, but I think it's simpler than that. From a few comments he's made tonight, I got the impression Mr. Redmond believes P.I. work is a man's world, and women should not be in this class. He was able to describe the man sitting next to him in detail, while it was pitifully obvious he'd paid scant attention to the only woman here. Miss Charles, on the other hand, obviously paid attention to him, all of which proves my point. Jarvis raised a finger in the air. A good P.I. cannot let personal feelings get in the way especially when he's paid to do a job. You might have to sit on surveillance for long periods of time, so you must be able to stay alert and focused on what you're looking for. Observation and concentration are also related to motivation. Observant people can be motivated by many things. Curiosity, desire, pride, security, the desire to succeed. He paused, and for a second his icy stare bored into me. Even fear can be a motivator. And I'm not talking about paralyzing fear, the kind you feel facing down the barrel of a forty-five. It's the fear that you might not get the job done, that you might miss your chance to follow your suspect, or you might not get that shot Miss Peabody needs for her divorce. He glanced up at the clock and let out a low whistle. Wow. Time does fly when you're having fun, right? Unfortunately, Ira Phillips won't be able to be here next week either. So? He opened his briefcase and pulled out a stack of papers which he set on the edge of the desk. You're all stuck with me. For another week, anyway. Here's your reading material for our next class. We'll be discussing PPC, Perseverance, Patience, and Courage. We'll also discuss keeping secrets. A good PI's best friend is his, or her, tame tongue. He paused and let his gaze rest briefly on me before flicking it forward. And perhaps we'll do another little exercise on observation. No groaning now, he said, raising his hand traffic cop style. Jarvis settled into the leather chair, and almost immediately the chair scraped back and the students crowded around the desk. I waited until the line thinned out before I slipped on my light fleece jacket and slung my trusty tote bag over my shoulder. 
Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed Jarvis watching me like a hawk as I bent to pick up the sheaf of a signed reading. He cleared his throat and leaned forward. You're the same Nora Charles who used to write for the Chicago Tribune, aren't you? The Dark Streets column, right? At my nod, he rubbed his hands together. I read about your part in the Lola Granger case and about how you cleared your sister of murder. <laughs> if you asked me, you could have saved your money. You're already a pretty good investigator. It was on the tip of my tongue to say the course had been a gift, but I thought better of it. Thanks, but I'm sure there's still a great deal I could learn. He cocked his head to one side. P.I. work isn't the same as being a homicide detective. Now that's a field I could see you going into. Thanks, but I have no plans to change my career. I'm really just doing this to write a series of articles on private investigation for noir. At his puzzled look, I added, It's a true crime online magazine. I do freelancing for them. Ah. He clucked his tongue. That's a shame, because it seems you have a certain knack for this sort of thing. It would be a pity not to put it into actual practice. He looked at me for a long moment, and then grabbed the stack of papers, shoved them into his briefcase. Stay sharp, Miss Charles. You never know. I might need your help someday soon. I looked at him. My help? Whatever for? His phone rang, and he whipped the cell out of his pocket and snapped it on turning away from me as he did so. Jarvis? Yeah? Yeah, I'm listening. What have you got for me? I was all the way down to the ground floor when I realized I'd left my notebook on the table. I glanced at the winding staircase inside. I wasn't exactly thrilled about making another trek up three flights of stairs, but I was afraid if I'd waited to retrieve the book until the next class there was a good chance it would most likely be relegated to the nearest garbage pail, since I kept forgetting to write my name on the cover. I took the stairs up a lot slower than I had going down, so it was a good ten minutes before I reached the third floor, which now appeared deserted. As I approached the classroom, I saw the light was still on, and as I drew near, I heard the murmur of voices, pretty loud in tone. One sounded distinctly feminine, I paused right outside the door. I could hear the words more clearly now. I peeped around the edge of the door. Jarvis was sitting in the leather chair, hands laced behind his neck. He was looking at a woman whose back was to me, so I couldn't see her features at all. She had good legs, a trim-fitting red coat, and nice suede boots to match. Her curly blonde hair was cut in a chin-length bob that bounced as she shook her head emphatically. You know you're playing with fire. She said. Her voice was high-pitched and slightly nasal. Do you want to take that chance? You know you're playing with fire. Do you want to take that chance? Jarvis leaned over and mumbled something too low for me to catch any words. The blonde straightened up. Then her hand shot out and her finger jabbed Jarvis's nose. Go ahead. Put yourself in danger. Just leave me out of it. I'm warning you. I frowned, and even though her words piqued my curiosity, my common sense told me that it probably wasn't a good idea to interrupt just then. I moved away from the door and started back towards the stairs, mentally debating whether or not I should wait around for a bit or 
just leave. When I heard an angry female voice shout out, Don't bother me with this again, or I might do something. We'll both regret. I saw an empty classroom and ducked into it seconds before the blonde barreled past. I got a good look at her face as she made a beeline for the stairway. If it weren't for the grim expression, I'd almost have called her beautiful. As I watched her race down the stairs, I was gripped by a nickeling feeling of familiarity. I'd seen that girl somewhere before. But where? This reading of Murder Faux Paws was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Ham. You can learn more about the author on her website, tclotempio.net. If you'd like to help us be able to continue to bring you more mystery fun, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash kingsriverlife. Even a dollar a month can make a difference, and we could really use your support. Watch for even more great perks coming soon for our patrons. We also have some cool merchandise available on Redbubble. Check the show notes for the link and for the links to our websites and social media. For more podcast fun, check out Mysteries to Die For. This is a podcast where TG and Jack Wolf combine storytelling with original music to put you in the heart of a mystery. Each story is structured to challenge you to beat the detective to the solution. If you consider mysteries to be an active leisure activity, you'll love Mysteries to Die For. Listen everywhere you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and find them at tgwolf.com slash podcast. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter for bonus content. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it as this helps make us easier for others to find. And be sure to tell your friends. Until next time, this is your announcer wishing you a life full of mystery. Mystery.